Indeed it is. I'm in my condo fending off my cat. Bob Irving is comfortably in the Polo Park studios. No animals that we know of there. <laughs> it is National Burger Day, Bob. Did you have a burger for dinner? No, we didn't, but I am a big burger fan, Christian, and uh, I will correct that mistake probably tomorrow night. How's that? That sounds good. I had yeah. VJ's for the first time in my Winnipeg life today. How was for, it? For dinner. Very good. good. I biked over there, picked it up, biked home with it. It was still nice and warm when I got it out. And it was messy and awesome. So hey, I'll give shout the out Sal- to VJs. I'll give the Salisbury House a plug. We've ordered their nips a couple of times during the pandemic. And, ooh, are they ever good? They're loaded <laughs> up with mushrooms and onions and all. Oh, oh you're man. a mushroom guy. Okay. Oh, okay. yeah. 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 Yeah, well, you can have your mushrooms now. Uh, we had a we had a musician on the show earlier this week, Brendan Alexander, and we're we're leading off with another football player slash musician today, Bob. Yeah, Drew Walatarski uh, can strum the guitar a little bit. He likes to sing a little bit, and he joins us from where are you, Drew? From Minneapolis, Minnesota. All right. Uh, now I know you were in California well, recently. Before we start, hold up. I have yeah. to say something. Did I hear? Bob talking about mushrooms and what kind of mushrooms are we talking about here, Bob? Oh, I just regular mushrooms. I why are, is there any other kind? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're talking shiitake mushrooms here. Yeah, no, no. Well, whatever. I don't. I'm not a mushroom expert. I just eat them, Drew. <laughs> and they're uh, you know. Oh sli- man, uh, let's move on. How about them sports, huh? <laughs> yeah. How about them sports? So you're in Minneapolis now. Sports? Are you just kind of working your way back to Winnipeg, or what's going on? Yeah, man. Uh, I'm just waiting for the border to open up so I can come play some music at Earl's. Yeah. Well, we we wish I need you. Could. To, I need to. I need to work on my album. Have you got an album going? I never know when you're serious or not. But are you actually working on an album? No, I really am. I really have a bunch of songs ready, and uh, okay. I want to go record with my guy at Studio Eleven. Uh, he's up in like, I guess Portage off Portage. Uh-huh. That's who I was working with before. So I'm trying to get this thing rolling, man. Yeah, I, I got all this time now, you know? Uh, yeah, well, you've had a lot of time. Tell us uh, where you've been the last few weeks. You, you like to travel around, and have you been all over the U.S.? Well, I started out, uh, I was in L.A. for a long time, as you know. I think we talked when I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so basically um, I decided that I kind of wanted to just get closer and uh, closer to some friends out here and be able to go up to Winnipeg if I get the call at any time. And so I did a little a little road trip, man. And on the first leg of the trip, I went to see Strebler. And as I was pulling into Phoenix area, Tempe, my car engine light comes on. And I'm like, great. Um, so I take it to the mechanic. Luckily, Streb is like 30 minutes away. Comes, picks me up. We go on some great hikes, hang out, catch up. Turns out to be a great four-day trip because the mechanic can't figure out what's wrong. Finally does. And it's fixed now, so very, very good job by them. Um, but yeah, we hung out, man. It was good to see Strevy up there in Arizona, and uh, he's doing his thing, doing the meetings uh, virtually, and um, you know, just excited about that possibility. Sure, so you cool to see him. Yeah. What else? And then uh, went to Albuquerque, stayed there a very short time. Was not a huge fan. Then Denver, where I have an uncle that lives there, so we went up to the mountains, shot some guns. Um, we barbecued, had, a, I've had so much steak in the last five days. I don't know what's going on, but everyone just wants to cook steak these days. Mm-hmm. And I'm just eating so much steak. Um, and then finally Nebraska and then, uh, Minneapolis. So yeah, it's been a little road trip. Yeah. Now you've lost Traveler as a teammate. Uh, I guess you feel good for yeah. him though, getting a chance uh, with the Cardinals, right? Totally. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. 
yeah, I will miss him a lot, man. He's one of my good friends, so it, it's tough, but it is part of the business, and everyone's got their different paths, and you just kind of get used to it, you know? Sure. Christian, jump in here. Well, I was going to say I would never complain about having too much steak, but that's all right. Uh, so you get to uh, Minneapolis. I, tell, I heard you guys talking burgers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, maybe I'm still a little hungry. But uh, you're in Minneapolis now. You're doing all this travel. Obviously, you want to have some fun in the off season. At what point do you also start to focus on, on training and working out too? Man, I've been training all year round, and then we kind of got the news that we weren't going to start until June, and now it's September. Um, so it's just kind of continuing to just work out, I guess. Um, but it's, it is kind of strange, you know, we don't really know what's going on. So just being optimistic about it and train like it is going to happen. I mean, the, the beauty of it is, you know, we're in shape, so at least we look good doing it. Um, so that makes it kind of worthwhile, you know, even if there isn't a season, but you got the beach body either way. And, yeah. I mean, that's the whole point, right? I mean, yeah, of course that's why I play football is to, to stay in shape. If your job is to work out, what a great job. You're getting paid to look good. That's beautiful. You know, Drew, we've, rare. Yeah, we've talked to a lot of the guys we've had on the last couple of weeks about the sort of the mental aspect of this pandemic and how disappointing it is that your season's been delayed, you know, and won't start yeah. till September at the earliest. From that yeah. perspective, how are you dealing with it? Man, it's, it's tough because I'm a huge connector, man. I love to talk to people. I love to be intimate. Uh, I love to share. I love to play music. I love to hang out, just just vibe with people. So for me, man, it's, it's tough. I'm trying to be more um, active on social media, trying to share more that way and uh, kind of expanding that branch. I, I never was really on social media that much before. So I'm just trying to, you know, do what I can to keep in contact with people and um, trying to be there to support people who, you know, are kind of stressed out or, you know, fearful of what's to come. Uh, I think that after reading Jack Kerouac, I'm just kind of okay being a vagabond and, and just kind of roaming around. I mean, life is really great, man, and it really is beautiful, and there's great people out there, and sometimes you just got to go on this mission, and you got to go wander, and you find the right people with the right advice to give you, man, and it's, it's been cool, and I've really enjoyed these last two weeks on the road. God, I wish I was 25 again, Drew, and could travel with you because it's it sounds... <laughs> It sounds like it'll be a heck of a lot of fun. We're going to come back with it Drew Wolitarski of the Blue Bombers. Drew, you, you, you've had a lot of time off between the training and the traveling, obviously. It's a lot of time to, to write songs, write music for sure that you're itching to get into the studio. Yeah. Are any of the songs perhaps inspired either by the Grey Cup victory or by the current pandemic? I'll be real with you, man. I have more songs um, inspired by my recent breakup than the, those two things. Um, but yes, uh, I think, I think past the point of the gray cup was when I really start getting that creative side, you know, when you're in the, when you're in the season, it's very tiring. Um, you're kind of using all the energy you have. You're very stressed out in those last three weeks, um, when you're making a run in the playoffs. So I had a lot more time after the gray cup to kind of play music and kind of get into those feelings again that, you know, kind of get bottled up for a while so it's a tough couple of transition months you know that's what people don't really get is that you know when we finish our season we come home um you know you're dealing with a lot of loss you lose your teammates you kind of lose that team um you lose a sense of that of that camaraderie and that and that feeling of going to work every day and being with guys who are like-minded who are driven and who and kind of inspire you in a way and you kind of go back to normal life and um it just feels a little weird at first and so for me, you know, it's it's good. I don't. I, I like to write, and I like to write music and make music. 
uh, for me, that's a way back into, I guess, this society, um, kind of more normalcy and just kind of, you know, having not as many adrenaline spikes per week, I guess, you know, just being kind of living that um, high, high adrenaline life. Well, you had lots of adrenaline spikes, Drew Wolitarski, last November. So let's reminisce a little bit about uh, last year. Yeah, and that four-game run at the end, Drew, the the last regular season win (laughs) and then the three playoff wins. As you look back on that, what sticks out for you? What was really special about all that? I will tell you, and I was just talking about this the other night with the family in Denver, and I was kind of going over the story. And one thing that always resonates with me is against Calgary in the quarterfinal, right? We're at halftime. We're down, I don't know, four points, something, something small. Yeah. And I remember just kind of looking around and I can see guys' faces. I could hear them talking and they're just like, man, like this is not how we're going to go out. Like I just feel different this year. You know, like we're not going to lose in Calgary this year. We're not, this isn't going to, how it's going to go down. And it was kind of this like, this shift came over, right? We kind of all made the choice, like, dude, this is not how we end. We've gone through too much. Um, we have, like, a great team right now. And it was kind of like everyone trusted at the same time. Everyone believed at the same time. And suddenly we had this aura around us, and it was like this power. And we went back out there and just dominated. And then even in Sask, it's like, you know, we are playing hard-nosed football. They are playing hard-nosed football. But I just feel like at the end of the day, we had this momentum and we had this trust in each other and then getting to the gray cup, man, it was like, we just played the whole game, our best football, the best football we've ever played at at the best time we needed it. And it all started with that shift, man. For me, like I really felt that and I'm sure other players felt that, but that's something that really sticks out to me. Yeah. Well, in that Calgary game, so you were down 14 to eight at the half. You outscored them 27, nothing in the second half, man. That's, that speaks how determined you were, eh? Absolutely, man. It's like one of those movies where the guy gets knocked down, you know, and he like sees his family in the stands, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> he's like, "Oh my gosh, I'm I got extra strength now," and like just just totally beats up this other guy. Yeah, that's kind of how it was. Yeah, and then and then the celebration here after the Grey Cup. Wow, eh? Mm-hmm. Great parade, man. That was so cool. Seeing the fans at the at the airport, going to the parade, like that was nuts, man. Just seeing everyone out in Portage. Everyone go to the Forks. I've never been in anything like that. So, And I kept thinking in my head, and I, I actually another memory that really sticks out to me is that last 30 seconds on the field. And it's kind of like, as a kid, man, you dream of, like, a championship. You dream of, like, man, what would that be like? What would it be like to be on a team that's holding up the trophy, getting the champagne in your face? And I remember being on the field, and we're kind of in our last huddle. We're doing victory offense. And we just kind of look at each other like, guys, we are about to win this thing. Like, we're about to win the Grey Cup. Looking at the fans, like, fans are already screaming, jumping. But, like, those 30 seconds, it was, like, quiet in that huddle. And we all kind of lived out our own, you know, little histories. Like, look at all the things we had to do to get here. Look who's next to us. Like, these strangers that we would have never expected to meet, would have never expected to get close to. And we're all here about to win the biggest trophy in the CFL I mean, it doesn't get much more surreal than that, man. And it was, it's so beautiful, dude. Well, that is beautifully stated, too, isn't it, Christian? Absolutely, Drew. We appreciate you coming on tonight. And I, I guess we just got to look forward to the time in hopefully short order that you're able to come across the border and start training here in Winnipeg. 
Yeah, I might have to throw some concerts at the uh, stadium since it's not in use anymore. So that'd be pretty sick. <laughs> hey, there's an idea. See what, see what Wade Miller thinks about that. Yeah, I'll check with Wade on that. Hey, listen, when you do your first hey, gig at Earl's, I want you to let me know. The facilities are open, man. Yeah. The facilities are open, man. I'm coming with my guitar. They are, but only two at a time. Well, you and your guitar will we'll have the stadium one day to work out. How's that? <laughs> Yeah, me and Neil Young will meet up, and then he can teach me some things. There you go. Hey, hey, uh, you know Neil Young lived here for a while in his youth. Did you know that he went to oh, high school dude, here? Trust me, man. Yeah, you know oh, all about this. Come I know on, every hey, every musician from Winnipeg <laughs> is like, hey, you know Neil Young came here, right? I'm like, yeah, I know, I know Neil Young was there. <laughs> all I right, guess who was there too? Yeah, but whatever, man. Wow, Burton Cummings, one of the, I missed yeah, it. Burton Cummings, one of the great yeah. entertainers in Canadian history. He's, he's Heck yeah, man. He's living in Moose Jaw now. I can't explain that, but that's another thing anyway. Hey, Drew, th- th- thanks thanks for doing this. We much appreciate it. <laughs> no worries, man. Look right. forward to seeing you, boys. Okay. Thank Drew Walatarski, our guest tonight from Minneapolis on the Blue Bomber Hour on the 680 CGOB Sports Show. Christian O'Mel, Bob Irving, the Bomber Hour, and we are joined by quarterback Sean McGuire. Sean, thanks for joining us tonight. Where are you right now? Hey, thanks a ton for having me. Uh, I'm in Wisconsin. I'm back home right now. Got back a couple days ago, so happy to be home. You got a tough act to follow, Sean. We just had Drew Walatarski on. <laughs> what's uh, and he has us in stitches. What what's he was like as a teammate? Oh, <laughs> uh, that that is, definitely is a tough act to follow. But <laughs> no, Wally, Wally's awesome. I'm actually just talking to him today, and he's uh, I keep up with him all the time. He's one of my good buddies on the team, and. He truly is one of a kind. Yes, he truly is. Tell us about your uh, off season and what you're going through now as you kind of sit back and wait like everybody else to see what's going to happen. Yeah, uh, I mean, I've just, you know, COVID, when that all that happened, I've been out in uh, St. Louis. That was kind of my home base this off season and just training there and was uh, coaching quarterbacks and stuff and really enjoyed it. And then, you know, with COVID, I wasn't able to – coach quarterbacks but still pretty much able to train business as usual so that was lucky because i know uh you know most people might have not been so lucky to be able to still use their gym and stuff and uh so yeah i mean it's obviously right now wish we could all be back in winnipeg and every day i kind of wake up and i'm like yeah we should be there right now but trying to see the positive and things and like I said, I just came home back to Wisconsin, which is where I'm from, uh, a couple days ago and spending time with family and still just training and going business as usual. Uh, full steam ahead. You didn't play much last year, Sean, but you, you must feel like you learned a lot and we're much better prepared for this season. Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. I, I'd agree 100%. I mean, I think I, I feel that I grew and, and – took a bunch of strides throughout the year and although it might have not have gotten a ton of snaps um in gameplay it was just the learning and and observing guys like Matt Nichols and Chris in the beginning and then obviously Zach down the stretch and I can't even put it into words how much I actually gather from guys like that and just being around them and then just reps in practice like obviously it's not a game rep but I mean going against that defense and and those guys, obviously, that was a great cup defense and playing with a great cup offense and stuff. But I, I, I liked where I was at when I left. Sure. Yeah. Christian? 
Are those birds chirping behind you, Sean, that we can hear? <laughs> yeah, it might be. I'm just walking around the neighborhood right now. That <laughs> sounds very nice where you are right now. So uh, <laughs> I guess this summer now you're hoping you can get across the border at some point here and we'll maybe know more from the government in a, a month or so. But in the meantime, what are you doing to stay sharp and uh, work on the playbook? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've, you know, up, we've been having like some online meetings and stuff. Um you know, month or two back, probably started and just been going. And um, other than that, watching film on my own a ton. So, training business as usual and throwing and doing all that kind of stuff. And just like, just watching ball and like talking ball every day. Like I said, like when it gets close, you just, it's like your body clock is telling you, like, you can just tell. So, you, you want to be doing ball all the time. And, um, I'm doing as much as I can with what I can, obviously. Like, yeah. Best case scenario, we'd be in Winnipeg right now, but trying to watch film and still prepare as if I am in Winnipeg, you know. You had an interesting connection with Chris Strebler, your coach, Bob Nielsen at Western Illinois, then coach Strebler at South Dakota. Did you and Chris talk about that very much? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And and I reached out to Chris when I first got signed by the Bombers, and I like. It, right off the bat, I just kind of had that relationship with Chris where, like, we were close in age and we had played against each other and knew of each other and we had those mutual connections. So, from the very beginning, I think we were fast friends and, like, that's continued to this day. Same thing, like, talking about Matt and, and Zach, I learned so much from Chris and us being close in age, I think, helped that because I just felt so comfortable being around him from the very beginning. Well, Sean, we hope uh, against hope that there is going to be a season. If there is, it won't start till September. We got our fingers crossed, and uh, we look forward to seeing you up here maybe late July, August for a training camp, and away we go. Absolutely. I'm hoping so, too. I'm taking it day by day, but, uh, you know, being optimistic throughout everything. Yeah. Thanks for doing this tonight, Sean. Thanks, Sean. Welcome back to the show. Christian O'Mell and Bob Irving with you here tonight. We've talked a lot this week and last week, Bob, about the Grey Cup and how the celebration was so memorable. And I, one of the big reasons why it was so memorable is because when you wait almost three decades to, to win something, there's going to be a lot of pent-up relief, pent-up joy waiting to burst, and then it finally does, and... That wasn't the only sizable drought this franchise has seen over the years, has it? No, it wasn't. And uh, it's funny, I was thinking the other day, Christian, about that, because in 1984, the Bombers won the Grey Cup and ended a 22-year Grey Cup drought. And I was, in my mind, thinking about comparing the celebrations after the two Grey Cup wins. And then I thought, who better to speak to that than Paul Robson, who was the general manager of the Bombers back in... 1984 and of course he played for the bombers he's in their hall of fame and paul i i guess after the the win in bc in the western final leading into the gray cup game i don't know you you tell me what you remember about the crazy scene in that two or three week period well i think the the semifinal win against bc really was almost larger than the gray cup right for right uh, for certainly for the players, uh, BC had a formidable team and a really an outstanding. And you know, in past history, we had played BC time and time and time again, trying to get to the Grey Cup. 
the Joe Four Queen fingertip uh, <laughs> uh, bat away from a ball that was going to Mike Holmes clearly for a touchdown and, and win the game sticks in everybody's memory. So, uh, yeah, and I remember, quite honestly, an interview that I did with you after the game uh, where I, I kind of broke down. And yeah. I, I I had to say to you, hey, wait a second, I can't – the the tension and the emotion – uh, that all of us felt uh, going into that game was was tremendous, and uh, and again that was obviously mimicked by the fans who mobbed the airport. <laughs> it was an unbelievable scene. Uh, people before the Grey Cup. I mean, the, yeah. the Grey Cup was was yet to come, and the, and Winnipeg was just coming unglued, and it was a uh, it was it was phenomenal. It was just. Totally. We we heard on the plane that uh, hey, there there are hundreds or thousands of cars out at the at the airport. The airport's packed, and and uh, you know coming down that uh, escalator down into that crowd was just. Uh, it was just amazing. It was just, it was truly a memorable time. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I, I recall it quite well, Paul. And then the rally at the convention center. This is before the Grey Cup game. And then after the Grey yeah. Cup game, you had a celebration at the Winnipeg Arena. I remember I emceed that. Uh, and yeah. it was just... Uh, well, it was crazy. It really was. And it, it sort of all that pent up frustration from the fans uh, released itself just as it did here back in November, right? Exactly, and it, it it reminded me so much. And I I watched the parade on uh, television, and uh, uh, you know the star of the show was Streveler, of course. <laughs> <laughs> he he, uh, he certainly partied his way uh, all uh, the whole week long uh, uh, with his fur coat and the stogie and all the rest. Of it. And, and it just uh, it brought great memories back uh, of a, of a, an absolutely marvelous time in Winnipeg and. Uh, and you know that was where the term winter peg came from. It, uh, we hadn't won in so long, and then it was actually the time when the Jets were going through a real uh, a losing. Ser- and and Rick Riley had uh, written a, a column in the in Sports Illustrated entitled "Loser Peg," <laughs> which frosted me to no end. So you know, I said, "No, it's not loser peg anymore. It's winter peg." Paul, what impressed you most about that run the Bombers had last year, starting with that final regular season win over Calgary? I, well, I'll jump to the end of the of the thing. I didn't expect uh, what I saw in that in that Grey Cup, and really in the second half, just total domination. Uh, uh, they they just they just completely dominated every phase of the game, uh, and they were sharp and they were on the, on point and, and ready to go. Uh, but uh, you know, you knew that they had a solid team and, and a great running back. Uh, Andrew Harris is 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 a remarkable young man, um, and Nick Dembski as well, uh, who made some key key plays for them. Um, I, I enjoy watching uh, Wallacharski. I just I just enjoy watching him play, and and they they had all the components. Uh, they their their kicking game has been solid all along with Medlock. I mean, you can't ask for a much better punter or or field goal kicker than than, than Medlock. He's just he's a superb athlete to start with, and then he's as good at his craft as as anybody I guess since Bob Cameron mm-hmm. uh, uh, came along. 
And then in that three-game playoff run, they uh, Christian, I'm sorry, I'm kind of hogging the airtime here. but You do your thing, Bob. It's the, all good. In the three-game playoff run, Paul, they forced 16 turnovers and committed yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. And, that, that, and, of course, that's where you win football games. Yeah. It, it, is, it is a team that turns the ball over the least number of times and, and makes mistakes and gives up plays. And, and so I, I guess what impressed me was, uh, they were focused, and I'll go, I'll go back to '84 again uh, because that's what Cal Murphy and I talked about um, as the season went along. We had to narrow the focus of the football team uh, onto the onto onto winning and and a drive uh, that we were going to make to try to win this whole thing, and 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 it really was all about sharpening the focus of what you were doing that you were. Uh, the, the term is you had your head cut in your, your head was cut into the right space and you were focused on the ultimate goal. You knew uh, as a team that you had a chance because you knew that the players you had on the team were exceptional. And we had in 84, we had exceptional players as you'll remember. And here in Winnipeg uh, this last year, they had exceptional players. And if those players focused on the goal ahead and, and were uh, committed to it, uh, it was going to happen. And, and they had great leadership, great leadership. Adam Big Hill may be one of the guys that I most enjoy watching play. I mean, his head is cut in right from the start. Oh, yeah. The whistle blows. He's And, and I compare him with Blake Wheeler. Uh, Wheeler and he are similar kind of personalities in that they're going to drive their team and drive their teammates to be the best and hold them accountable to be the the best. And I really see in those two guys a very similar kind of approach to the game of football. Um, and then, of course, you see in a guy like Jefferson, a great ability, uh, as play, and, and their defensive backfield, great ball hawks, great playmakers. So um, I, I guess it wasn't, the, it, it wasn't so much the games or, or how they played the game or whatever, it was – the focus that I saw uh, via television and, and in person uh, of that team on its on its ultimate goal. Paul, before we let you go, Jack Delvo, one of the great Blue Bomber yeah. players from the Bud Grant era, and you played with with Jack. I think his final year. Yeah. Uh, tell us yeah. what you. He was a linebacker. Uh, an injury ended his career, but tell us what you remember about Jack. Well, Jack Delvo was one of those players that Bud got, uh, and we had a we had a collection of them: uh, Gar Warren and, and Dave Burkholder and uh, uh, and Farrell Funston. Uh, and uh, Delvo was an outstanding uh, collegiate player at Illinois, and he was one of the really tough guys. Uh, and I I was there in '84 when he he uh, took on Al Benesek and George Reed at the same time. And he tore the, uh, the nerve in his shoulder and lost the use of his arm for, uh, I guess, pretty much the rest of his life. But I happened to be at an event when it, you know, you, you try to gauge uh, football players always gauge by what another tough football player thinks of them. I happened to be at an event at a, at a time where Dick Butkus was the kind of celebrity guy at this event. And he had brought us, two other brothers along and I somehow I got standing next to one of the brothers and I, I said to the brother, you know, I, I played football up in Canada with a guy that uh, you might know played at, uh, at Illinois. I said, his name was Jack Delvaux. And no sooner had that come out of my mouth than all three of the Butkus guys are looking at me. And, 
And the oldest brother turns to Dick and says, Jack Delvo, Dick, he used to kick your butt. (laughs) That puts him at the very top of the pantheon. Delvo used to kick Dick Butkus's butt uh, when they were in college. And uh, I... He was a, he was an outstanding linebacker, uh, but he was also an incredibly good running back. Uh, he was tough, hard nosed. Um, he set the standard. He came out for a playoff game in Winnipeg, wearing his sleeves rolled up to the shoulder, the bare arms, and it was it was the talk of the town. Uh, on this freezing cold day, Jack Delvo was out there with short sleeve shirt rolled up and just knocking the dog out of out of people that he played against a great, great guy. And, uh, and, you know, of course this is, we're getting to the point, Bob, I'm 79 years old now. And then, you know, you talk about the guys because they're passing, not yeah. uh, not because of anything else. So yeah, it was a great one. Well, he was, yeah, he just passed away uh, a, f- a few days ago, 83 years of age. Hey, Paul, thanks for that story. And thanks for joining us tonight. Christian knows I love reminiscing about some of these times. And man, you, you really added a layer to that uh, tonight. Thanks very much. <laughs> All right. Bye for now. The reminiscing part of the show here. And it's okay, Bob. I'm I'm 28. I was born and raised in Ontario. You're the Bombers Encyclopedia, so you can you can handle this. Well, we got another guy, a former Great Blue Bomber, James West, uh, joins us. Where Where are you now, James? By the way, where are we talking to you from? Well, how you doing, man? I'm well. I'm here in Atlanta, Georgia, for the last 24 years, but I was pretty much raised in Houston, Texas. Yeah, but you told me you were going to be up in the mountains tonight or something, didn't you? I am. Oh, you talking about currently where I'm at? I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm in the Blue Ridge Mountains here in the, in uh, Blue Ridge, Georgia, which is about like an hour and a half drive from uh, from Atlanta. It's about two hours from where I live. I live about an hour and a half from Blue Ridge, Georgia. We go up to the mountains. It's my wife's birthday, so celebrating our birthday with her here today. All right, cool. Yeah, I, I knew you lived in Atlanta. Listen, we just had Paul Robson on the air, and I want you to tell the story because oh, when really? you... Yeah, when you came out of the NFL in 85, wasn't it Paul who outbid the right. Calgary Stampeders for you to come to Winnipeg? Oh, man, that was a funny story, man. So Paul flew down to St. Louis because he was friends with the general manager, and he tried to sign me there, and I didn't want... I, I didn't know if I really wanted to continue to play. And so I left him there. And uh, I just took a flight back home to, to Houston and thought about it for a couple of days, and he called me back. And he, he said, don't you want to have a chance to play with some guys? And I re- was reminded right there, Tyrone Jones playing with the house. You know what? I'll reconsider. <laughs> Shoot me a contract, and then we'll see if we work it out. <laughs> well, and you wound up playing seven years with the Blue Bombers, uh, 12 in the CFL. You're in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. You're in the Bomber Hall of Fame. Uh you won a couple of great cups. You did it all, didn't you, James? I accomplished everything I wanted in that game, Bob. I'll be honest with you. That football is something I didn't go into it trying to get into the Hall of Fame and this and that. I really didn't think I was going to play but like, you know, one or two years if I was lucky. Uh, but very fortunate enough to have played that long and made some really amazing relationships. So, hey, the football game aside of it was something I did. And, and as a matter of fact, guys who become iconic like you just – you know, just suggested sounds impressive, but the most impactful thing is how difficult it was. And and, and guys who finish the game, they are uh, you know they 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 are iconic playing the game. But when it's over, with, they normally are not. And I think I have more 
impact outside the game than I did there. And so that's what I'm proud of, mostly. Yeah, Christian, I can tell you that uh, the Bombers have had some impactful players in their long history. Mm-hmm. James West uh, <laughs> just mentioned Tyrone Jones and, and, they, and flamboyant. Uh, and impactful. Would it be fair to say you were a little bit flamboyant, James West? <laughs> I'll let you say it. I don't need to toot my own horn. Just that we just had a lot of fun. All my greatest relationships are from those guys, and and I have I have several numbers of guys I even played against, and we're friends now. I mean, people, I get calls from guys all the time and ask me, "Do I have numbers from somebody else?" And you know, we have a recent chat on Sunday night, a Zoom call with guys who played in the league, and we never were teammates, and we still have a chat group on Sunday nights. Yeah. These guys, Christian, these guys would guarantee wins. I remember James and Tyrone every now and then, oh, we're going to win the game. I'll guarantee it. We're going to win the game. You remember that, James? <laughs> yeah. No, you're going to say <laughs> it was Tyrone, right? <laughs> no, it was me. I must, I must concede it was me. I can tell a whole lot of things about Tyrone, but it was me that said that because uh, we had lost, like, I forgot how many games we had lost in a row that year. I had hurt my shoulder or elbow. I forgot what it was. But, you know, I just thought it was being carried because I think I, I thought that we believed in ourselves. We just needed a kickstart, and, and I just need to be something said. And we was going to a playoff game, and, you know, and spirits kind of a little bit down, but I just had to just give them a note. I just say, well, you know what, we still are good. And and I just threw my big mouth out and say, I guarantee you we're going to win, you know, and – we did. As a matter of fact, that's probably what the best game I played during the season. Yeah. Well, you know, I, t- so I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, sure. I tell you what, for those of us in the media business, covering the teams you and Tyrone Jones were on was <laughs> was a sheer joy because you never knew what you guys were going to say or do. Stick with us, James West. We'll come back. I want to get your thoughts on the Bombers breaking their long Grey Cup drought with that win over Hamilton last year. James Wild West with us on the Blue Bomber Hour on the 680 CGOB Sports Show. Christian O'Mell, Bob Irving, and James Wild West joining us from the mountains of Georgia. James, when you won the Grey Cup in 1990, I bet you didn't think it would be almost three decades before the team won another, did you? Never in my wildest dreams would I think it would take that that time. But what? Yeah, it happened, and I was there in Calgary to see it, the place that I finished my career and played my career in for a few years, and I, 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 you know, it was it was great to be connected to Winnipeg there, and remember that the last time I was in Calgary for any type of game was a game that we lost when I was with the BC Lions my last year. So that was really kind of iconic that I was got to just be with them at that particular time. I enjoyed it thoroughly. What impressed you about their win, James? Oh, I mean, from from the get go, you could tell from the inspiration of everybody looked like at the at the start of the game that they was ready. I like. These guys are really, they lit up. I mean, the whole situation about them getting through the playoffs was similar to us back in the past. It was a confidence that you mentioned earlier, Bob. It was just a confidence that no, we was going to win. Nobody really said that. For take, but, but, but we just felt like before they had the start of the game, because we had Chris Warby on our team, we was already six points ahead of the game before it started. Because once he got off the, off the, off the bus, we know we had a six-point advantage. And so I don't know who they six point advantage was, but it seemed like they was they was operating on all cylinders there because I was really confident they was going to win that game. Yeah, I know. Chris Walby was one of your favorite teammates, wasn't he? 
Oh, absolutely. Him and amongst everybody, man. I, I, you know, I can humbly say this, man, that I love each and every one of those teammates. And you mentioned something about the Hall of Fame earlier. And, and I didn't go in again. I'm not planning the game. But I would, if I had to announce myself as what I really desired, it being a Hall of Fame teammate. Because I love each and every one of those guys. Still got relationships with him today. Uh, Willie Jefferson, your, just your thoughts on him before we let you go in the game. He played in the Grey Cup. He would have fit. He would have fit oh, in well with your team, wouldn't he? Is, uh, he's from Texas, too. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> he's legit. I mean, we had several conversations with him too. He he looks so. He looked like he's he's you know as a person. We look at him and like, oh, he's serious. He's serious about the game. I'm glad he decided to come back there. I think he's going to fulfill everything he wanted to do as a player as well. And I think he's one of the iconic, iconic players that when he's done, I hope he tell the same story outside of it. Yeah, I enjoy his playing time. Uh, no question. Hey, James, we're out of time. Uh, listen, get back to celebrating your, your anniversary with your wife. And thanks <laughs> thanks for guesting with us. And uh, I know you're going to make more visits to Winnipeg, and I can't wait to see you again. Oh. Uh, Pleasure, Bob. I appreciate you, man, suggesting what you suggested. I appreciate you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Thanks, James. Thanks, James. All right. James West, uh, Wild West. I don't know, Christian. I <laughs> Some of these characters who played on the bomber teams I've covered, uh, any, every time I get a chance to speak to them, I just, uh, I just enjoy it so much. And, you know, when I reminisce about some of these former times with Kahari Jones last night and James West and, and then the Grey Cup win last November – we live in a country that is hockey first, and there's never any question about that. But the roots of this football team run so deep into the soul of this city, and I, I feel it so much when I talk to James West and Paul Robson and and some of the people who are part of the great history of this football club. So this has been great fun for me.